3,100, which for Ring of Honor is actually pretty exceptional. So when just joining this momentous card, the first card since the Tony Khan takeover proper with an actual build-up rather than just happening, is Mr. Marcus Green, our Ring of Honor correspondent, if you will. How are you doing there? Yeah, I'm back. Doing good. Glad we uh, got a chance to do this one. This was a quality show. You know, a lot of stuff going on with Ring of Honor. And uh, yeah. <laughs> The show was very indicative of that, so uh, it'll be fun talking about it. It was kind of a return of some old faces and some some people that you don't really call Ring of Honor people, and it was it was intriguing. It was all sorts of stuff. We're going to start with the main show, but we we have to actually explain something that happened on the pre-show. Let's start there. Um, uh, Tully Blanchard's organization, which I can't remember the name of. Um, Tully Blanchard Enterprises, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, he he quit the business <laughs> on the pre-show. And uh, coming out of the Ring of Honor woodwork is is the is is, is Prince Nana's crew, and I can't remember their name either. Oh, we're not. Well, it's the embassy now. The embassy, there we go, the embassy, yes, that's it. Now, the embassy has been around pretty much since the beginning of Ring of Honor. And kind of floated to the background for quite some time as they had a reputation for being not very good. And now having found the money, Prince Nana has come foot to the fore and bought out uh, Tully Blanchard Enterprises and therefore Jonathan Gresham's contract, which was intriguing. Have we heard why Tully's called it a day? No, that literally had something to do if I remember vaguely talking to my friend about it, about a, uh, something dealing with a church. Yes, because Tully, Tully is a born-again Christian. Um, and if <laughs> I, oh, I heard a story. I think it was um, uh, Dutch Mantel um, told a story on his website about the fact that um, Tully is a born-again Christian, takes it very seriously. Um, and Ricky Morton and his wife were watching the show, the evangelistic show that he went on. And Tully... Um, let rip on some of the stories and drop some names, one of which was Ricky Morton, which you can imagine went well with his wife. Um, but yes, uh, Tully is, uh, so yes, I can understand something between those two. Yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it didn't, to be honest, Jonathan Gresham had only been in Tully Blanchard's Enterprises for about 10 days. It didn't make an awful lot of difference in this particular match. But he went up against Claudio Castanoli in the opener. There was apparently a coin flip between the uh, singles and tag team titles about who would go on last, because obviously the tag team championship match between FDR and Abiscos was a highly anticipated rematch. Um, so Claudio and Jonathan went on first. Though there has been some consultation this week that Mr. Gresham was not happy with his position in Ring of Honor, or more specifically within AEW and his position with Tony Khan. 
and his representation of himself as he walked down the aisle wasn't particularly great. We didn't get the octopus head, we didn't get the coat, we just got Jonathan Gresham in a t-shirt, followed by Prince Nana, who he ignored for the whole match. Having said that, the match itself was perfectly fine. In fact, it was very, very good. And it was actually nice to see two master tacticians like Claudio Castagnoli and Jonathan Gresham wrestle each other. I thoroughly enjoyed it. For 11 minutes and 30 seconds for Ring of Honor World Title Match, hmm, something's not quite right. Can we fill in the pieces, please, Marcus? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's uh, you could tell something was off. I mean, it was as shocked on commentary as I was. Like, I started the show and I thought, like, like something got recorded backwards or something. Um, uh, obviously Gresham came out like you said Sands Octopus Head Sands Coat and was very much down to business but you could tell this was all business yeah and and, you know obviously you know he's one of the best so the end ring stuff is cool as well but this didn't really have necessarily a huge build up or anything and you know when you kind of find out what happened after the match it kind of makes sense um, it reminds me, it's a far better version of, of what um, one of the narrative guys, uh, Austin Aries, did to uh, John, Johnny Impact all those years back. <laughs> no soul just finished and flipped off uh, Impact Brass and just kind of left the show and kind of very, very much embarrassed himself, but it really took the spotlight off Morrison. Obviously, Gresham is far more professional and powerful than that. But well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's like, you know, um, sloths in the Andes that are far more professional than uh, Alston Aries is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but you could tell it was, it was all business. Like, like, the vibe was off. Um, yeah. Like you said, the, the time limit was, you know, th- it, like you said, it's a great match, limit. but, you know, could have got more time and, and more could have been put into it. But, you know, it's kind of, it's how it went, so... You know, with Khan, I think he's kind of having some issues with being more communicative with certain guys over others. And I think this situation may be more indicative of just the whole situation, what the narrative is going around Ring of Honor being a subsidiary of a constantly growing AEW as opposed to a side-by-side thing. One company's kind of obviously behind the other in terms of being side-by-side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this this is the issue that they've kind of run themselves into. With Ring of Honor not having its own TV show, the Ring of Honor champions have obviously been defending on AEW television, which can cause confusion for the fan, never mind for the people who are working for the company. And the sooner Ring of Honor gets its own TV show um, and looks like a separate entity, or at least an entity within itself, the better off everyone's going to be. You know, they've got a strong roster. It's not like they can't find wrestlers. That's not the issue. Um, and there was some of the stuff on the card later, which really kind of shelled that out and what it made it made it work sense. But yeah, it was it, the opening match was good. It just didn't feel right. And what do you think about Claudio as world champion? I think he is a world champion worthy wrestler. Um, and but this seems to be a bit forced, and it's not his fault. And I'm sure he can fix it. Yeah, and it, it just kind of sucks because you know how much time and effort Jonathan Gresham has put in. You know, obviously coming back through the pure tournament and everything with that and obviously building to the world. And he's really felt like he's put the company on his back, specifically mm. all the, the times of turmoil. And he's a very prideful guy, but he put a lot of, of heart and, and pun intended honor into being that champion and representing. 
going to these different companies and whatnot. Um, even like I said, when things were unsure, he was very prideful about that. So I think for things to kind of come to an end like this, it, it very much probably to him felt like kind of like spitting in the face of everything he's uh, tried to do with it uh, because Khan wanted to kind of take the tile off him and, and bring it to the new hotness, if you will, and, and cast a note. And this is not taking away anything from Claudia. We know how great he is. But um, like I said, this kind of felt like indicative of the mindset towards Ring of Honor right now um, as a subsidiary, as a subsidiary within that company, as opposed to um, a, a natural um, partner in terms of, you know, being, a, you know, on the side of AEW because, you know, as much momentum as AEW has, Ring of Honor still has that stake in the ground of its lineage. And, you know, yeah. it'd be nice to see that they, you know, treat it like that. Yeah, I think that's the issue. Is there's nothing wrong with Claudio as being champion, but you could have done it in a final battle and let Claudio versus Gresham build. You know, you've already had one battle between Zack Sabre Jr. and Claudio Castagnoli about who's the best wrestler in the world. Um, and you've got all sorts of things you could have played with and you've kind of lost money on the table because people wanted to see Daniel Bryan versus Jonathan Gresham. They wanted to see Will Ewart versus Jonathan Gresham. There's, there's matches that Jonathan Gresham could have that would make you money. And you've kind of lost it because, I mean, there's plenty of other toys to play with in the Tony Khan uh, toy box, I suppose. It just seemed a bit abrupt. Not bad, not awful, just not the best it could be. And Gresham's got plenty of places to go. <laughs> he got plenty. Like, look, he's not, Gresham's not finna miss no meals, you know. Yeah. He got plenty of places to go. He's got his own place terminus. So, yeah. you know, it, it is, you know. Money, whatever money's left on the table in a singles capacity, he's he's gonna get for sure. Yeah, I mean, Impact Wrestling, well, I'm back in a second. You've got the opportunity for NWA stuff, which isn't quite as well paid as Impact, but it's still a regular gig. And you know, all the way up there, you've got all sorts of things, including um, uh, the odds of going to New Japan or Noah or another company in Japan that would treat him right with the talents that he's got. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, through my headphones I'm hearing people screaming, Marcus you may not know this, but right now England's women are playing Germany for the European Championship of Soccer um, and England have just scored by the sound of the screaming in the street I can hear <laughs> that's, that's, that's really cool actually <laughs> I watched the first half and uh, I can kind of knock myself, ah, oh, time is all wrong and I'm not normally a big soccer fan or a football fan but the England's women team have been outstanding in this tournament and watching them play has been like watching the wrestling analogy. It's been like watching uh, the Midnight Express, like all smooth motion. And um, yeah, they've, they've been, they've played hard and they ran aground with Germany in the first half. So I'm glad to sit by the sound of things they've picked one up, <laughs> which is good. Right, we'll move on though to the Ring of Honor six-man tag team championship. Dalton Castle and the boys, Brent, Brandon and Brent, defeated the Righteous, Bateman, Dutch and Vincent. They were the six-man tag team champions. I mean, taking it off of Shane Taylor Productions. Um, what did you think of this? Because this was pretty outstanding for the people involved. And kind of, again, a match that wasn't really like amped up the way it perhaps could have been. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed this. What did you think of it? Yeah, not too familiar with the Righteous, but um, I, I don't know how you could have roster Ring of Honor over the past decade and, and miss Dalton Castle or the boys. 
um, and I certainly didn't. So, I mean, it was cool to see. Um, like you said, I, I think it was a good matchup. Obviously, Dalton isn't the biggest guy, and certainly not the boys. But they got they got a ton of fight in them, and they, they definitely took it to uh, the righteous. You know, obviously led by Vincent. Um, so I thought I thought it was some good stuff, man. The, the best of what Dalton and, and the and the boys bring, and um, yeah, it was just a hard hitting contest. You can oftentimes sometimes forget about the six man, and then we I think we have matches like this to kind of remind us um, everything that's you know that's that's been great about that uh, those titles and those teams that have held those titles. So it was good to see and good to see Dalton champion again, and certainly the boys who have. You know, I mean, they one of the longest going things in the company. You know, talking <laughs> their, their alliance with uh with Dalton. Those boys have come a very long way to the point where they're being called by the actual names now. So you know, yeah, they are no longer just the boys. They did have a, a short excursion, I understand, to Florida. Well, well the other side of Florida for um, uh, NXT there, um, and 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 now are back in Ring of Honor arguably where they belong and to be honest will be far better suited <laughs> um, yeah i i think it was pretty fun match you know and dalton castle is he's not as kind of vital as the rip to the ring of allergy but you can do loads more with him he's a veteran he's been there he's done that he knows how to make the company work as far as being a character-based wrestler so he can kind of bring people along in a different way. And the boys are a good example of that, though they've been his lackeys for a good long while. And he forsoke, forsake them at the G1 Supercard in New York, have them back together again. That's the kind of a, it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek redemption story, but it works. And it was fun. The Righteous, I'm wondering, is Vincent like with AEW or has he left Impact Wrestling? Is he not no longer part of one anymore? Or is he working both sides of the fence? I think he's double dipping. Ah. Can't be can't be mad at it. Uh, no, I've got to make a living. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and if you can you can you can mix that in. Obviously, uh, you know that that it's not a specific working uh, relationship as I guess it was before uh, that you can loosely call between Impact and AEW before. But um, and like I said, if you can you can uh, squeeze it in, you know, get you man. It's uh, like I said, it's plenty to go around. And uh, like I said, that was a great match. He's doing great stuff with Honor No More as well. So. You know, um, no shortage of good stuff with what Vincent's involved in right now. Yeah, um, Vita Von Starr was impressive as well. She had quite the moonsault in this match, which kind of goes against the, um, her, uh, what was it? She kind of goes against the, the, um, role of Ring of Honor traditionally not having interference in matches. But she was, it was a nice little cameo she managed to work in there for herself. She's from Wrestle Factory. She was a, looks like so many of the AW Ring of Honor crew are. She's a former Shikara person. So, yeah, intriguing. But there we go. Nice. Yeah. So, they, the Don Castle and the boys move forward as a six man champions who are probably more suited to the kind of thing that Ring of Honor are doing right now. Not that the Righteous are bad. They're very, very good. And um, good luck with them. And hopefully, we'll see more of them in the future. Get down to some serious business. Wheelie Utah defeats Daniel Garcia in 15 minutes and 55 seconds for the Ring of Honor pure, pure map, pure title. Uh, at ringside was uh, Josh Green, Alex, uh, uh, A. Steele. It was the other person whose name I can't remember. So Josh Woods? Josh Woods, A. Steele. There was somebody else there. It was another former Ring of Honor pure champion as well. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, 
Why am I? Uh, that's what John Walters. John Walters, that's it. It, it did, 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 make me, did make me smile like that. Um, like Josh Woods is younger than the other two, about as the same age as the other two guys. And he was like, consider this veteran that could come in and, and umpire this match, which was cool. And it made me laugh. So there you go. Anyway, uh, Wheeler Utah and Daniel Garcia do not like one another. That was the basic principle behind this match. Daniel Garcia hates professional wrestling. He's a sports entertainer, when quite clearly he's one of the best chain wrestlers going. Um, who beat Brian Danielson this week, didn't he? <laughs> on uh, on AEW. So yeah, Wheeler Utah and Daniel Garcia. Interesting matchup because it's kind of been an indie favourite for quite some time, but it was put on a bigger stage here and was well worth it. What's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I've not been the biggest fan of this uh, second faction era of uh, Jericho on AEW, this Jericho Appreciation Society. Just you know, because of the names, I just don't really click with any of the guys. Um, but Garcia definitely um, perked perked my eyebrow in this match. You know, it wasn't just all talk. He went in there, like you said, and obviously showed improve. Obviously, like you said, he hates the turn of wrestling and wants to be an entertainer, but he's one of the best going, which he showed here. As you have to be going against somebody as technically sound as William Uta, uh, Willer Uta, I should say. Um, yeah, the match was just good. Um, I think my favorite two things about this match was kind of untrained me to be so used to um, getting the rope breaks out the way as fast as we're normally used to. Mm. Um, it it kind of just went, it, and I think that played into the, the narrative of the match. Like you said, they just don't like each other. So they were just really trying to knock the hell out of each other and, and, and kind of one-up each other, which you got, got with the holes, the straight jacket exchanges um, early on. Um, and it, it, was, it really can't. You know, you really didn't get like a road break or anything in, a, in that attempt till later in the match, which I ended up appreciating. Because, like mm -hmm. I said, kind of used to trying to get those road breaks down early because it puts your opponent at a severe disadvantage. Um, my second thing that I loved about the match is you got William Regal on commentary. Like, who? Mm. Who, who can hate William Regal on commentary? You know, kind of reminds <laughs> It's one of the things I actually appreciated about Taz when he was in Impact that they just don't like talk about. Um, how somebody's doing something to tell you why. Yeah. You're talking about a pure uh, match, you need to know, you know, talk about those holes and those submissions and the specificities of, you know, uh, the positions and, you know, um, you know, the angles of it all and just the, the pressure that's being applied and, and why it's, it's being done and the way that it's being done. And William Regal was brilliant at that and Caprice Coleman was, you know, great as a, as a, uh, complimentary uh person to talk to so yeah i mean i just i, I thought it was great and william saying like constantly like if he lets this go to uh a dq finish or you know loses all those rose breaks i'm gonna be very angry with him so <laughs> that, that that might almost be a fate worse than losing you know so. <laughs> i do think that you know Triple H is kicking himself now he's back in charge WWE that he didn't get to keep William Regal you know, because he is so valuable to professional wrestling. You know, absolutely the right thing to do to hire him for AW. Even if he never set forth in front of a camera, he was hired as on-screen talent and has ended up training people just because, I mean, it was obviously said on his podcast, is I just want to do. I show people how to do stuff. People keep coming and asking me things, so I'll keep telling them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he was so, like, 
necessary to the rise of a lot of the people in Ring of Honor uh, and in WWE and how how that company works now. But I don't see why they let him go. It was just an asinine thing to do. And AEW is reaping the benefits. So that's fine as far as AEW and Ring of Honor is concerned as well. Um, of course, we had him on commentary in the opening match as well, where he was equally as valuable. But yeah, this was just just good, just solid professional wrestling. And it's as unfancy as you can possibly imagine, and the crowd lapped it up. 3,100 people on the edge of their seats for this match. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean look, you know, people uh, that, that still kind of poo-poo and, and, and just thumb their noses and, and whatever else up in wrestling, when you talk about it not being quote-unquote fake, um, this is the type of matches that you watch. Hmm. You know, because it's 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 you know you 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 gotta have moxie, you know, perseverance and and just a lot of grit because they got into an exchange here where they were just really just piss slapping each other and that fired the crowd up. Yeah. Um, but they, <laughs> they, they, you can't, you know, say so you can't, uh, you know, hocus pocus that <laughs> way. You know, you just taking pure slaps to the face and neck and hoping to God they don't hit you in the eye. You know, so yeah. Uh, yeah, this is just this some good stuff, and I hope this this will you uh, will you to you to continue. And I can actually see them uh, continuing this feud, you know, because I think you know somebody like Daniel Garcia specifically with his penchant for just want to be an entertainer and kind of pissing on on pissing the pure championship. I think will you know be uh, something cool to continue. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's the thing they're trying to get the essence of Ring of Honor right. So some of the decisions have been great, but they are trying to get the job right in the right places. Let's move on to the singles match, special singles match, as we say in New Japan. Uh, Roosh with Jose, the assistant of Los Faction Ignorables, defeated former member of Los Faction Ignorables and his own brother, Dragon Lee, in 15 minutes and 50 seconds in a bit of a weird match. <laughs> There was nothing wrong with it. It was fine. And two of the world's best professional wrestlers kind of put on a bad match. It just seemed a bit weird. <laughs> Unnecessary. Could they not have found somebody else? I suppose they didn't want to kind of like spoil anything for AEW down the line by having a in Ring of Honor. These are not the two I could naturally put together in my head that should be wrestling each other. Put it that way. Just because they've got differing styles, even though they're you know, obviously clearly related. They don't have the kind of same lucha style, and it kind of like, I don't know. Having said that, the match was great. It was brilliant. It was really well done. But I was just like scratching my head as to why this would happen in the first place. I mean, but there you go. Sometimes you just have a match because you need to have a match, and this match was great. Marcus, your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look, I mean, it was no, uh, nobody took it light. If you, you know, if I was watching, this for the first time and you you didn't tell me um that these two were brothers beforehand i wouldn't have guessed it you know mm. a lot of way they went but like you said it was a bit odd you know kind of i felt the same way before when when they've uh put penta against phoenix outside of lucha underground because the, the narrative the narrative uh and lucha underground was like no relation and then obviously outside of that dick like the whole thing about them in the tag team was that they're, they're brothers, so when you put them against each other, it's like, ah, okay. Um, but yeah, this was interesting. Like I said, it, it wasn't, the, I guess, the most traditional thing you would put on. Um, and, and ultimately, it kind of, I guess, it came down to the fact that they were brothers because 
Roosh caught his brother slipping. Um, <laughs> match, but uh, yeah, like I said, it was just a specialty kind of kind of one-off match. But definitely, you know, you could have got maybe really either one of them there with somebody else, and kind of would have, you know, flared it up a bit more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with it. We're not complaining about the quality of the wrestling across the road to even the quality of the wrestling was top notch. Just like why? <laughs> but there you go. We move on to something that did have a reason to exist, and it was a very good reason to exist. The Rim, Rim, no, Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Of all the titles in Ring of Honor, this one had the most convoluted route to this card. It was won by Roxy just at the end of uh, Ring of Honor's run. Not too about a week later, she had a tryout with WWE, and it was quite clear that they wanted her. Um, so she dropped the title to uh, Dorana. Uh, <laughs> Diana Perazzo in Impact Wrestling, who kept the belt for quite some time, who then eventually couldn't defend it at the last Ring of Honor Supercard. So Mercedes Martinez beat Willow Nightingale for the vacant uh, interim championship, and then Martinez took the championship from Perazzo. And then we get to here, where Serena Deeb has been partnering with Martinez for the last few months and slowly but surely figuring out her game plan before executing a challenge right here on this particular show. 17 minutes and 20 seconds. It was a bit scrappy in places and there was a couple of blown spots that were blindingly obvious. Having said that, this was a match said with a lot of passion, told with a lot of passion and worked incredibly well. Serena Deeb is an exceptional professional wrestler. She's up there with like the Zack Sabre Jr., Wheelie Uters, Daniel Garcia's of the world when it comes to submission knowledge and the way she can work a body part. And... Mercedes Martinez is freaking Mercedes Martinez. She has all the presence and the scariness that you need in a Ring of Honor world champion. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Oh man, everything you said, like it was it was trippy, like you said, the road to get here. Um, um and it's ironic. And it's, it took that situation to finally get an impact name in AEW because that's the only reason why Deanna ended up showing up in AEW because she literally had to drop the title. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Mercedes, you know, it was great to see her finally, you know, get that championship win. Uh, she's been great throughout. Like you said, she's undoubtedly one of the best. Serena Deeb has actually, absolutely been a monster since she stepped in AEW. Um, and to see her, you know, go from how I watched her all those years ago and the straight edge society to go from the way she is now, it's like it's incredible. Um and I could have watched these two, you know, have like an Iron Woman match. Honestly, it was that good. Uh, like mm. you said, uh, a little longer than two's in certain spots, but you know, these are definitely two women to, like you said, pick up that momentum and, and just, you know, go from something like a, a brilliant technical exchange to just outright slugfest of t- uh, toughness because these are two of the toughest women going right now. So, um, yeah, this was definitely one of the things that you know, one of the matches you go back and watch on this show, definitely from my my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it was, you know, two veterans who know what they're doing and telling a story that was nicely presented. To be honest with you, it's kind of an example of what AEW should be doing with their own women's division, which it doesn't always get this kind of patience and care, shall we say. Um, and hopefully, because this is the thing, the only thing that concerns me is they both have a combined age of 38 and you've got a lot of women on the AEW roster who need room to move and they need them to telling them what to do. And, you know, 
there's there's two women's matches on this card you could have had if you separated these two out. That's what you're leaving on the table at the minute, but that needs to be that needs to be rectified. You know, if you want to be seen as the company that's doing everything right in wrestling, you need ROH and AEW to have strong women's champions, strong tag team champions, and theoretically strong second. Well, you've got a strong secondary championship already, uh, but you need that kind of level of commitment to show, hey, we're going to do the women the same way we do we do men. That's what WWE do these days because the biggest draws are women. So you've got to work towards that kind of status, really. Anyway, yeah. moving on to the semi-finals. Samoa Joe defeated Jay Lethal in 12 minutes and 20 seconds in a heated affair that started before the bell. As Jay Lethal made the realization that if you attack before the bell, you can't get disqualified. And it went on from there. This was old school ring of honor. <laughs> Hard hitting, smash mouth, in your face offense. Um, that really kind of stole the show in a good way. It had to be something different to what else was on the card, and everything else on the card had been very scientific and very well put together. This was not well put together in the sense of it told the story. You've got Jay Lethal and Snow Joe. You can't do badly with that, you know. And Sanjay Dutt as a manager, he's like one of the most, you know, accomplished ring producers in in North America right now. It is going to work. And there's nothing wrong with this. 7.4 from the cage match users. But it was just intensity. It was kind of back to the days of Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe and those kind of matches in Impact. And, you know, uh, Kenta Kibashi and Samoa Joe in, in Ring of Honor and Daniel, Daniel Bryanson and Samoa Joe in Ring of Honor. That kind of level of stiffness. So, yes, this was really, really good. Bad-tempered, but a successful title defense for Samoa Joe. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I look at as somebody who came in the ring of honor later, but uh, very much did, you know, got caught up on the history of it and watched Jay Lee's rise, uh, Jay Lethal's rise, you know, to the status he is now. And obviously uh, also coming out of impact, you know, and, and watching Joe there. It was like being a kid at a candy store for me. Obviously, um, this has been an interesting few because, um Jay's side, it feels like it's been a lot more active on the aggression mm. of it. But I think I think that's what made this match play out so well. Uh, Joe literally saved all that pissivity, if you will, for this match to the point of cutting Jay music off with his own. And then that's classic old style Joe. Uh, and, and and watching Joe get in his bag again um, is just great at this stage in his career. And these are two of the best. And when you put that that emotion, that emotional uh, component to it, with the natural history that's built in here, with all the the Ring of Honor history, which they greatly showed in some uh, cool flashback footage, I mean, you just you just guaranteed a, a a match like this, like you said, it practically stole the show. You know, obviously you had something epic after this, but oh, yeah. uh, this is certainly <laughs> a match that you watch when you talk about you know stuff that you want to take away from this card. This is this is it. Well, just to show you how well-received this card was, the only the opener, uh, so the opener got 6.79, and the six-man tag got 5.2, but everything else got higher than 7.2, which is real, as we know, the cage match units are very discerning what they like. Um, they are, absolutely do tilt towards more, more towards that. But it'll show you how, like, solid, like, they, they put... Uh, 
let's see, Rush and Dragon Lee as, oh, sorry, Wheeler Utah and Daniel Garcia as the second highest match, second best match on this card. And I wouldn't disagree with that. But I think Joe and Lethal steal it on the emotional level. You know, just it's a fight for the honor, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And that promo at the beginning, death before dishonor, well, I choose death. That that was that's some serious stuff. They could have gone a little bit darker into that, but it worked well for what they were trying to perceive and what they were trying to put across. So, yes, exceptional work from both men. And then, well, we get to a main event, and arguably the possibly the best main event of this year of any wrestling card anywhere. It was for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships, best out of three falls: FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood. Seven-star FDR, the top guys, going up against them boys, the Briscoes, Jay Briscoe and Mark Briscoe, the recently signed to Ring of Honor 12 times tag team champions of the world. This went for 43 minutes and 26 seconds. This was longer than the main event at Wrestle Kingdom this year. It was two one-falls to one to FDR, and this was just outstanding. They've already set the bar for tag team wrestling worldwide this year. They may have set the bar for wrestling worldwide this year. Uh, with Supercard of Honor. So they, uh, how do you top that? Well, they come in and put this epic story of the two best tag teams in the world trying to wrestle each other to prove they're the best tag team in the world. And they didn't mention it on commentary, but they could have done. You know, the Briscoes left Ring of Honor after Supercard of Honor. They went on to win the GCW World Tag Team Championships. They won the Crockett Cup. You know, they won the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championships and come back to Ring of Honor lauded as the best tag team in the world except for FTR. So you got to go the best against the best. And this was an example of how wrestling and the the idea of one team versus another for no other reason for the one team versus another will make you money. This was the biggest rated main event for Ring of Honor ever in a sellout crowd. Financially, these guys are set because they're owned by a millionaire. But you've still got to make money and you've still got to make the project work. And by gum, did these four guys try and make this project work? Marcus, your thoughts? Uh, I always say God bless James for the marathon that he takes himself through watching the G1, which is currently, uh, <laughs> you, know, ha- you know, happening. Um, and that, that's some of the, that's that's not debatable. Some of the best wrestling you're going to see all year, every year. Are you should be, are, you, are you watching? Because Goto is topping his group. Yeah, I'm, 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 I've been uh, been playing catch up, but it's been really cool to see <laughs> uh, c- catching up with my boys, uh, seeing going and certainly Goto. You know, you, you always got to kind of stay in the middle of Goto because he could go either way. That's that's the narrative around Goto. Um, but yeah, it's been cool to see. But yeah, like these are the matches you watch wrestling for. You don't have to. You don't. You do not have to be a fan to appreciate matches like this. You don't even have to be a fan of these teams to appreciate this kind of match. Um, these are just two of the best teams really ever. You know, you do you, you when they talk about wrestling history, these two teams are going to come up specifically talking tag teams. Um, you have two guys in FTR that might as well be brothers, and, and two guys in Briscoe that are legitimate brothers, and it's like they move with one mind and. It's brilliant, and you talk about like veteran teams that that hone their craft and appreciate tag team wrestling, everything that goes with it. And you got this sold out hot crowd with pride and gold on the line, and the time to get it done, and the match stipulations are 
what, two out of three falls. And you you just you guaranteed a classic. And the mm. first thing they had was a classic. And you like you said, you go and you ask, like, how can they top it? And they managed to do it. And the, this is what happens when you like you really are you live up to the moniker of being the best. Yeah. You know, uh, they talked about uh this weekend oh, on something about the Uso being the best. And they might be obviously some of the best coming through WWE. Um, but you know, you talk about in terms of best peer across the industry, you looking at these guys, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, oh, yes, uh, Germany have equalized. Things are getting tense at Wembley. Um, <laughs> um, where I was, uh, yeah, it's just exemplary wrestling. You know, the only teams that have really come close to them this year are the Usos, obviously, in WWE and the things that they've achieved. Um, but, you know, it's, but again, it's just like this is like top level tag team wrestling we haven't seen for a very long time. You know, there is a couple of teams in Japan. I like to see them up against Goto and Yoshihashi, obviously, because I'm a big fan of theirs. But Gorillas of Destiny against one of these two teams for those IWGP tag team championships. Um, you know, we've seen the Briscoes and the Gorillas before. The Gorillas up against FDR, that would really seal it. Like, who's the best tag team? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's. It's just it's, it's it's just brilliant stuff and 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 I love the Usos like I said but they're very they're they're, they're the best inside that WWE bubble where the team we just mentioned have literally gotten to go out and and test their metal against these other guys and yeah. that creates a different tier you know I think that one of the best things is is crappy as it was because like I said I always saw the Briscoes literally retiring in, in Ring of Honor but mm. when everything fell out it's almost like they got to go and and redefine who they are and remind everybody just why they were yeah. in that company you know yeah. and it's because of matches like this and, and um because things kind of fell through that we're getting matches like this so it's really you know you talk about two guys that are in the later stages of their careers really feel like they've been reinvigorated you know mm. yeah that's it they've kind of found their place yet again and you know 20 years of experience they're only 36 they've got another 10 years left if they want it and they do, <laughs> you know, they really, really do. So yeah, it's going to be amazing. In FTR, you cannot say they've had so many classic matches this year. You know, tag teams don't win wrestler of the year, and arguably they should for what they've done. And they've main evented shows and semi-main evented shows. The only thing kind of left for them is World Tag League. I'm wondering if they've got a couple of weeks off in December. That would be absolutely incredible. And I, if if Tony will let him go, I'm saying Gorillas of Destiny or Dangerous Techers versus FTR in the final. Now that'd be my prediction. Now if they're oh, allowed to go, Dangerous Techers. Oh man, can you imagine? <laughs> Look, man, I'm a God guy, but I'm not. I'm not wiping that card off either. Come on, no. man. How does Dax deal with Tai Chi? <laughs> well, you're going to come up with that. Zack Sabre Jr. versus FDR by himself would be just like something genius to watch. But yes, we shall see. But in the meantime, Ring of Honor have come back. Um, what's your thoughts on the company at this particular junction? What do you think they need to keep that momentum going? I think it's just like you said. I just think they need to be, you know, um, given their own slot. Like you said, the TV 
TV show they own is crucial. You know, they obviously have all the keys uh, and the components and the players that, that stand and do on their own. But I think kind of back to even going, talking back like you was talking about with the women, you know, you hope that the, the mindset isn't too kind of, like I said, um, actively try to kind of keep Ring of Honor running behind them. Because like you said, the women with Ring of Honor and, you know, Mercedes Martinez, Serena Deeb, they kind of stand out and stand, you know, kind of mountains above some of the stuff we get with the women in AEW. Um, and obviously they're continuing to build that. But then also what we got with the six-man um, was some great stuff. And then AEW just introduced some six-man titles. So, you know, you hope that the mindset, uh, which also kind of plays into, I think, some of that Gresham stuff, is not to kind of keep Ring of Honor as the the little brother who, you know, very much always down to play dodgeball but never gets picked. Because, yeah. um, look, yeah, I'm sure Khan has his hands more than full with, every, with you know, everything that he's tasked himself to do with the company. But if you take on something like this, you know, I would hope that you you acknowledge the, the lineage and the, you know, majesty of it. Um and give us his just due because that can only mean more money. You know, you have a whole Ring of Honor fan base that you can tap into that hasn't gone anywhere. And I think that's grown in a lot of ways since they reinvigorated themselves coming through the pure tournament and, and everything that's come out of that. So I'm hoping, like you said, that, you know, television gets established and its own uh, thing, you know, kind of starts separately, but, you know, aside from, you know, AEW, so they could, you know, be juggling two great companies at once. You know, I think he's finding it right now, and hopefully we don't see more people like Gresham kind of fall through the cracks. Yes, we hope Jonathan's okay. And, um, you know, the, the, the Jordan Grace, as she does from time to time, does make some statements, and she said, you wouldn't believe what people will read in the dirt sheets, which is fair enough, because people do read dirt sheets all the time. Isn't always the truth, but they. Right. Well, that just about wraps us up for death before dishonor today. Um, where can we find you on the internet, Marcus? Yeah, find me on my only social media. That's uh, Twitter at paradoxkid. P A R A D O X K I D. Always down chat. Okay, you can find me at Sheriff Lonesley. You can find the show, a Troopany Show, on Twitter and on Facebook, the Troopany Show, and on Patreon, the Troopany Show. We can keep it free forever for everyone. There'll be more today at the G1 this week as things get expansive. Uh, we had a cracking show today with Chase Owens going against Jay White, which was about as screwy as you can possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and some pure wrestling with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. at Hiroshi Tanahashi, which was, oh, that was yesterday, but that was outstanding. Um, and there's some cool stuff to look forward to this week as well. But it's wrestling Christmas, Marcus. That's what it's there for. Amen. Amen. Indeed. Right then. Have a great week. We'll speak to you next week. Take care. Bye.